Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. I hope you enjoy this holiday season. I hope that the love of Christ abounds more and more in your hearts. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being a part of this show. Merry Christmas once again. Now let's jump into a brand new episode of Z Homer Show. Now this one is starting off with a question in regards to the previous episode that I did, which was about visiting seashells. Now let's jump into it, but Merry Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I hope you enjoy this year and I hope that you see the goodness of God in your life towards the end of the year and even in the new year. Merry Merry Christmas. Um, um, I have a question. Um, since it is an island in the, in the middle of almost nowhere uh, how do they get water a uh, fresh water and another one is um you talked about the unesco um uh, sites are they underwater or are they like uh, 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 something uh, like the normal sites we know um benjamin first of all thank you so much for listening to my podcast I really, really do appreciate it. You have no idea. Now, I'll start off with the first one. Um, when it comes to water in the seashells, apparently most of the water there that they use comes from the hills and streams in the mountainsides. So that's where they get most of their water from. However, they're also working on desalination plants to compensate for the water shortage during drier seasons and in order to produce more potable water for themselves so yes i think that's a simple answer to that one and then you asked about the unesco world heritage site there is aldabra atoll so now i'm going to get this from the unesco website so Allah no aldabra atoll is a unesco world heritage site in seashells it is comprised of four large coral islands which encase a shallow lagoon the group of islands is itself surrounded by a coral reef. So it is not underwater. I believe that's what you had asked, whether it's underwater or above water. I hope I got that one right. So yes. Then the other one is Valle de Mai Nature Reserve. So it is found in the heart of Praslin, which is a small island in the seashells. And the reserve has the vestiges of a natural palm forest preserved in almost its original state and that's where you find um some coco damer that big fruit there so i hope i answered this well but if i didn't please let me know but nevertheless thank you so much for listening in i greatly appreciate you hello and welcome to the humor show hosted by me humor ruth I hope you're doing great. I hope you're doing lovely. And if it's not going well for you, well, take you to the Lord in prayer is what I always say. Welcome to today's podcast episode. I am always excited to do this one. And I hope you're excited as well. If it's your first time here on the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you stay here. I hope you click the subscribe button. I hope you leave a good review. And if you've been here from day one, thank you very much. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Now... Our previous podcast episodes have been taking you to different countries in Africa. I started this podcast episode with Uganda, which is where I'm from. So I've done a number of episodes on Uganda. Uh, recently, I did one on Egypt. If you've never been to Egypt, I think it's a very good one for you to get to know Egypt before you go there. 
I've done one on seashells as well, which I believe is up on the podcast channel, so you can listen to that one. I hope it touches you as much as it did to me, because I think that's one of my best places in the world. I've also done one on Morocco as well. Now, today, I am taking you to a different part in Africa, and this one is close to me, really close to me in terms of proximity, I think, because I'm taking you to Kenya. Now, Kenya is a neighbor of Uganda, and it's an amazing place to be. I always think of it as like a bigger Uganda with, with you know, more busier than Uganda, much bigger than Uganda, and more busier than Uganda. And it has a lot of history to it, honestly. It has amazing beaches to it, so those where the, that's where the differences come in as well. And um, a little bit of the way they do their things in life, so... Yeah, but I'm taking you to Kenya. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I do. Now, before we jump into it. Before we get back into the show, if you love my take on Uganda and you love Formula One, why not check out my Formula One podcast called ZF1 Amateur. ZF1 Amateur is a post-Formula One race commentary podcast hosted by me, Humura Ruth, that's available on your favorite podcasting player or platform. So just go to your favorite podcast player or just search on your favorite search engine, ZF1 Amateur Podcast, and you'll be sure to get Formula One closer to you. And if you like Formula E, as I do... You should also check out my Formula E podcast called Z Formula E podcast that's all about Formula E racing as well as sustainable mobility. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back from that short break. All right, let's get into it. Now Kenya is officially the Republic of Kenya. And it is found in East Africa where I am from. So Kenya is bordered by South Sudan to the west, Ethiopia to the north, Somalia to the east, Uganda to the west, Tanzania to the south, and the Indian Ocean to the southeast. And uh, it is a pretty big country, like I said before. To me, it's big because Uganda is not as big as Kenya. And, you know, in East Africa, there's Uganda, there's Rwanda, there's Burundi, and those are very small countries. So Kenya is big, but of course, Tanzania is really big as well. But Kenya has a total land area of about 580,367 square kilometers. It's the world's 48th largest country by area. So I still feel like it's big. Compared to seashells, where we were talking about a few days back, a few weeks back, I think Kenya is really big to me. It has a population of about 53.77 million people. So that's a lot of people. And the motto is Harambe, which when translated in English means, let us all pull together. Now, the Kenyan flag, I would describe it this way. It's a big black stripe with a small white stripe. And then after that small white stripe is the big muddish red stripe. And then a small white stripe and then a big green stripe at the bottom. And in the middle of all of that is the country's logo, or yes, the country's logo. Now, when it comes to Kenya, its capital city is Nairobi. It's the largest city and it is the capital of Nairobi. But there are other cities such as Mombasa, which is the oldest and first capital city of Kenya. There's Kisumu, there's Nakuru, there's Eldoret, there's Malindi, there's Kakamega, there's Thika, there's Garissa. There's Kitale, there's Lamu, which is very historic. We'll talk about that later. There's Nyeri, there's Naivasha, there's Machakos, there's Kericho, there's Voi. Now, those cities, I just remember reading them in my African literature books because we did, I did literature 
in high school and would read novels from Kenya, written by Kenyan authors. And uh, Kenyan authors, and I really loved them. I really enjoyed them. So it's really nice. I love Kenya. I love Kenya. <laughs> I think you can tell. Now it's the third largest economy in Sub-Saharan Africa after Nigeria and South Africa. When you go to Kenya, um, there are about 68 languages spoken there. But don't be overwhelmed because the official languages are English and Swahili. So you should at least know English or Swahili. Even if you don't know, I think you can get you can get um, find your way through the streets of Kenya and through the streets of Nairobi mainly. So the other languages that are popular there, there's Gikuyu, there's Oluluya, there's Doluo, there's Kalenjin and uh, a number of other languages. The dialing code is plus two five four. The currency in Kenya is a Kenyan shilling. Now, the Ken one Kenyan shilling is equal to a hundred cents. So that should give you an estimate if you're using US dollars, and uh, you want to change your money before you get get to Kenya, or you you reach Kenya and you're changing your money. So it's roughly that one Kenyan shilling, a hundred cents. It could change though. Now, the current president of Kenya is President Uhuru Kenyatta. Kenya on its own is a member of the United Nations, is a member of the Commonwealth of Nations, which means it was once a British protectorate. It's a member of the World Bank, member of the International Monetary Fund, member of COMESA, member of the International Criminal Court and many other international organizations. When it comes to sectors, one of its largest sectors is agriculture. I think just like Uganda, they're kind of similar, I feel, but like Kenya is bigger to me. Now, some people say Kenya was named after Mount Kenya. But apparently the word Kenya comes from, originates or comes from Kikuyu and Kikamba languages, meaning God's resting place. I don't know how true that is, but I'm pretty sure the Kenyans will correct me on that one. When it comes to the population, 83% of the population is Christian, then the rest are Muslim, Jews, Hindu, and uh, the other denominations that I may not know. Now, Kenya gained its independence in 1963, and its national animal is the lion. All right. So that's just a few things you should know about Kenya. Let's take a short break and I'll come back and share with you a few interesting facts about Kenya. Fun fact, Naomi Campbell has a house in Kenya. And that's just so random. Anyway, but Kenya is home to the Great Rift Valley. So if you're in Kenya, you can visit that if you want to. Kenya has a tropical climate along the coast, and when you go to the highlands, it's more of an arid kind of climate. Now, about 50% of the country is used for agriculture, so now you understand why it makes sense that the country's largest uh, sector is agriculture. Then the second highest mountain peak in Africa can be found in Kenya, and that is at Mount Kenya. Kenya also shares the world's largest tropical lake with Uganda and Tanzania. I am talking about Lake Victoria. And then the largest lake in Kenya is the world's largest desert. I am talking about Lake Turkana. Now, interesting thing is that Lake, okay, Lake Turkana is also the largest alkaline lake in the world. But what a lot of people may associate Lake Turkana with is the fact that it has pink flamingos. So that is really cool. Now, apparently, pink, pink flamingos get their pink color from the shrimp that they eat. There's something called um, carotenoids. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert at this, but they're carotenoids, which is what turns carrots orange. It's what turns ripe tomatoes red. Now, that that substance is found in the algae that shrimp eat, and that's why shrimp have a certain color, I think, when you cook them. Now, when the flamingos eat the shrimp, because flamingos feed a lot on shrimp, they also turn a reddish 
kind of color or a pinkish kind of color. So if you visit Lake Turkana, you'll be able to find them there. And then Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, is the only national park in the world that borders. Sorry, Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, is home to the only national park in the world that borders a city. And that park is the Nairobi National Park. So you don't have to go so far away to experience or see wildlife while in Kenya. You can do it right on the edge of the city. Then apparently Nairobi gets its name from a Masai word, which means cool waters. Because once upon a time, way back, a stream once flowed through the city, hence the name Nairobi. Mombasa, which was once the capital of Kenya, is home to the 16th century Fort Jesus, which is also a world heritage site. So I also noticed that Kenya, I also know that Kenya is also not short on history. I mean, it's a country you can experience wildlife in because it's known uh, for its safaris because you can do amazing safaris in Kenya. They have a lot of national parks, but it's also very historic. It has a lot of history to it. The Arabs in the 1800s, back in the day, they used to trade on the coast in the 1900s. The British uh, began all that whole colonialism around that area and then came into Uganda and everywhere else. You know, the Portuguese were also trying to, they had to get uh, Kenya under their hands, Tanzania. I may be messing up my history there, but that's a lot of history there. And it's still preserved there. There are places where you find over 700 years of history in Kenya still alive there. So it's a nice place. Um, I think, yeah, I did something on Egypt, a podcast on Egypt, take, taking you to Egypt. You should listen to it. It's pretty nice, I think. <laughs> If you've never been to Egypt, Egypt is also one of those places with a lot of history that's still alive. I feel like Kenya does that for East Africa as well. And now, like I said before, Mombasa is home to the 16th century Fort Jesus, which is a world heritage site. There are other landmarks in the city, like the Mombasa Tax, which you'll find on Moy Avenue. Those were built in 1952. Then there's a small town in the south of Malindi, which is known for being an egg-laying site for the endangered green sea turtles. And that town is called Watamu. So it also has a beautiful uh, marine national park. The clear waters, of course, the Indian Ocean is very beautiful. I just have to say that after seashells, I am like the Indian Ocean is the best place to live. If you could build a house there. And so um, clear turquoise waters, of course, coral reefs close to the, uh, close to the shore, which means it's a beautiful place to go snorkeling and um, just relaxing by the beach. That's Watumu for you. Kenya also has one of six UNESCO World Heritage Sites there, and that is Lamu. So Lamu is a town, would I call it a city? I really don't know, it's time to be corrected in that one. But it has a lot of architecture that demonstrates cultural influences over a period of 700 years from different parts of the world, like Europe, the Arab world, the Indian world, so all of that you can find in Nama. That's why I say Kenya has a lot of history to it that is still alive and still preserved, which is something I really, really appreciate about it. So you can get to see that because back in the day, way, way, way back, hundreds of years ago, the Arabs, the Indians, people were just, you know, all over the coast because it's beautiful anyway. When you go there, you're like, it's a beautiful place to be. So it makes sense that people wanted to, you know, come and fight for it so you can find all that history there now kenya on its own because it's known for safaris it's fair to say kenya has so many amazing national parks now in fact kenya has about i believe kenya has 
over 24 national parks. It has 15 national reserves, six marine parks and private conservancies. Now, there could be more because I, I didn't, I'm not sure whether there are more than 24 but I'm pretty sure there are at least 24 national parks here. So you have a lot to choose from. There is a park for every month of the year. You can visit two national parks in Kenya every month of the year. So there is a lot of wildlife for you to see. And like we were talking about having a lot of history, there is a lot of old historic ruins for you to visit in Kenya. You can visit the Jed Ruins, which is an old archaeological site that has the ruins of um, an old Swahili town that dates back to the 12th century. So that's a lot of history there. There are other ruin sites like Jumbalamtwana ruins. There's Monarani ruins. There's Takawa ruins. There's a lot of history in Kenya. If you are into that kind of stuff, then you definitely should visit. Uh, outside Nairobi, especially if you go to Lamo, Mombasa, those are places you'll find that. Then did you know that in Kenya you can share a meal with giraffes? Oh my god, I love this. You can do this at the Giraffe Manor. Now, I don't know whether you can do it elsewhere in Kenya, but I do know that at the Giraffe Manor, you can share a meal with giraffes. So what happens? The giraffes are the tallest mamas in the world, right? So in the manor, you can, you know, you could be seated having breakfast in a room and the giraffes will pop their heads through the windows and allow you to pet them or feed them while you have your breakfast. So it's a beautiful thing to do. It's an amazing experience. You can't do this in Kampala. I'm sorry, you can't do it in Kampala. But that is amazing. And while you're doing it, watch out for their beautiful eyelashes because giraffes have some of the best eyelashes and the best eyes you could ever ever seen the world so you could be in your bedroom and a giraffe pops its head in there you could be having your breakfast downstairs in the morning and it will come and pop its head there or you could go outside and feed them uh, from the palm of your hand and they'll lick you and apparently giraffe saliva is antiseptic so it's safe i think yes i've had it's very safe so if they lick you it's safe it's antiseptic but yeah, get that fact right before you let them lick you all over. But I believe that. I believe that. Now, the Giraffe Manor is on Gogo Falls Road. That's in Nairobi, Kenya. So if you ever go there, you should do that. Take it from me. It is amazing. Kenya is also home to the Big Five. I'm talking about the Big Five. The lions, leopards, rhinos, buffaloes, and the elephants. But that's not all. It is also home to many species of mammals and birds. There is a lot of wildlife and kenya it's for you to see and explore now i don't know if you've watched national geographic but um, but i think you have maybe even in okay they used to do it here in banks in kampala if you're in a bank they usually play the national geographic channel in, on silent mode but there's always that thing people we would see on tv when lots of wild beasts were just running across a river migrating from one place to another you can actually see that in Kenya. And it's usually during the months of July and August where you get to see the massive wild beast migration. So herds and herds of wild beasts cross the, Mar the Mara River and move into the Maasai Mara National Park. So you can see that pretty. You can see nature in real life. Those are things you see in movies, but you can see it in real life in Kenya. If you visit the coast, you can watch dolphins. You see the various uh, dolphin species in the Indian Ocean that you can see. You can see uh, sea turtles. You can go snorkeling. It's a beautiful place to be. Now, did you also know that Kenya has 42 ethnic groups, all with different languages and customs? 
it's a lot. I used to think East Africa had a lot of languages until I heard of there's this small country. It's a very small country. Is it Papua New Guinea or New? Gu- I don't know, but it has eight hundred seventy languages spoken there. Then I was like, okay, there's a very few languages spoken over here, but yes, there's a lot of languages there. Kenyans are also very great athletes. Apparently, almost 75% of all gold medal winners in long-distance running come from Kenya. And I'm pretty sure the others come from Uganda. It's not because they come from Uganda, but it's the honest truth. So what is the eastern part of Kenya borders... No, the western part of Kenya borders the eastern part of Uganda. And around that borderline, there are people from the Kalenjini ethnic group who are some of the best runners in the world. And all of them, uh, you know, they are from that area. So Eastern Uganda and Western Kenya, they have the best runners from the world. I am not kidding. You can check this out. I even did an episode called um, The Sabini People of Uganda. You should check out that episode. It talks about people who know. Um, it talks about the Sabini people in Uganda. It also looks at people from the Eastern part of Uganda. And some of the best runners in Uganda come from that part, which is bordering the Western part of Kenya. So it makes all sense. And then Kenyans, when it comes to sports, Kenyans love soccer and rugby. I think East Africans love soccer. Soccer is the life. The Premier League, the UEFA Champions League, the Sikafa. We are all into soccer and then rugby. And then there are very rare things um, here that people don't watch. I don't know why I would say that. But um, do the NFL, I really don't know if people watch the NFL here. Last time I saw an advert on our television um showcasing the nfl i was like who watches the nfl here the only thing about the nfl that we do watch here that i do watch here with my friends is wags the wives of the nfl stars but watching nfl no or maybe bowlers a series i've seen a few of it but i didn't understand the whole how that american football thing goes but soccer i do love i do 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 absolutely love now i just wanted to teach you a few kiswahili words before you go to kenya it's it could be helpful for you so here it goes. So first of all, you can say jambo, which means hi or hello. But apparently when you say jambo, a person in Kenya will know that you're not from there because they think uh, the natives don't usually say jambo. I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, it will help. If you say jambo, it means hi or hello. If you say habari, that means good day or it can also mean how are you. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself, you can say mimini, mimini Ruth, mimini humura. Mimini Ronaldo, Mimini Pep Guardiola, Mimini Lewis Hamilton. That means I am Lewis Hamilton. No, my name is Lewis Hamilton. My name is Ruth, like that. And then to say thank you, you say Asante. So sometimes people say Asante Sanam. And then to say welcome or you're welcome, you can say Karibu. Then no problem, no worries. You know that one. That is Hakuna Matata. Then, if you want to say, I would like some food, please, you can say, Ningapenda Chakula Tafadali. <laughs> now, my dialect is off. I told you we did study um, Swahili back in the day because it's the official East African language, I believe, but I didn't continue with it. So, I just know a few things. But you can say, if you want to say, I would like some food, please, you can say, Ningapenda Chakula Tafadali. If you'd like some water, you can say, Ningapenda Maji tafadali. If you love someone, you can say nakupenda, which means I love you. Yes, so those are some of the fun facts about Kenya. Now, let's take a short break and come back and I'll tell you some of the tourist things you can do while you're in Kenya. 
Now, welcome back from that short break. Now, let's get into some touristy things you can do in Kenya or places that you can visit in Kenya. Now, we'll start off with the obvious. Kenya is synonymous with amazing safaris. Kenya has 24 national parks, 15 national reserves, 6 marine parks and different private conservancies. Now, there could be more than I've said but that just goes to show you that it's an amazing place for you to experience nature and look at wildlife and have a good time at it. First things first, while you love Kenya, is that it's capital city. You probably will land in Nairobi. I don't know where you land else, but like Nairobi. And right on the edge of Nairobi is a national park. So you don't need to go too far. You just have a national park right on the edge of the capital city. And that is the Nairobi National Park. There are other national parks. I can't go through all of them, but let's look at a few. There is Masai Mara National Park, which is which borders Tanzania and therefore forms like a, some sort of wildlife corridor between between the two countries. And it's also named after the Masai people who have been grazing um, their animals here for centuries. It is also famous for that great migration that we talked about. When thousands of wild beasts, zebras, and gazelle travel to and from Serengeti during certain months of the year. There is also the Mara River there, which is home to a lot of hippos and crocodiles. So you will have a treat there. Another national park you can visit is Amboseli National Reserve. This one is a reserve. And Amboseli comes from a Maasai word that means salty dust because the park is a little bit arid. Is it arid? Is that the right word I should use? But yes. And while you're there, you'll be able to see Mount Kilimanjaro, which is Africa's highest peak. There are lots of elephants there, herds of elephants, lions, cheetahs, giraffes, impalas, elands, waterback, gazelle. There are wetlands there with sulfur springs. There is savanna. There are woodlands. So it's a treat for you if you love wildlife and if you'd love to go see wildlife. There is also the Savo National Park, which is Kenya's largest national park. So it's divided into Savo West and Savo East. And altogether, it makes up 4% of the country's total land area so there's a lot to do here it has rivers there are waterfalls there's savanna there's volcanic hills there's a huge lava rock in fact the world's largest lava flow is found here in kenya in this national park in savo national park there are plateaus there's wildlife there's a lot for you to do there you can also visit the Lake Nakuru National Park, which is in central Kenya. Now, why you'd go there for me personally is to see the pink flamingo sitting on Lake Nakuru, which is a Rift Valley soda lake that covers almost a third of the park area. It's also, I think, the world's largest alkaline lake, I believe. So, it's a sight to behold. If you love photography, beautiful photography you can have taken there, especially the pink flamingos. It's everything <laughs> beautiful about nature. If you don't want to look at wildlife and would love to do, uh, you know, look at history or go through, have a trip in regards to, you know, seeing the historical parts of Kenya, the first place you should visit is Lamu Island, which is northwest of Mombasa. Now, Lamu is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it's one of those places where you can get to experience history that has been there for hundreds of years. Now... It is also Kenya's oldest continually inhabited settlement, which with origins that date back to the 12th century, I believe. You see here architectural influences in the buildings from the Arab world, influences from the European world, influences from the Indian world. It is a beautiful place to be with a lot of history in it. 
their cornerstone buildings, their hidden courtyards, their carved wooden doors, verandas, rooftop patios, donkeys on the streets. There's even a donkey sanctuary, sanctuary in Lamum. Women and men dressed in traditional Muslim attire. This is a place you'd want to visit. While you're there, you can visit the Lamu Museum to get an idea of what Swahili culture is really about. To understand the history of Lamu, you can also visit the Lamu Fort, the Donkey Sanctuary, and I always say nothing beats a day at the beach. So you can visit some white sand beaches while you're there. Another place to go, this one is for you if you love birds, is Lake Naivasha. Now, Lake Naivasha has more than 400 bird species for you to look at. To I don't know why people have viewing birds, but even Uganda has a lot of birds. We have over a thousand bird species here. And we do have a bird expo where people from different countries just come flying to look at birds or from different species. I think when you're so used to it, it doesn't make sense. It's when you don't have it that it makes sense. So if you love birds, you can visit Lake Naivasha and see more than 400 bird species they're african fish eagles they're jacanas they're white fronted bee eaters several king fish species there's a lot there that you can see also the lake naivasha itself lies in the highest point of the great great rift valley so that's something for you and there's wildlife there as well there are hippos in the water there are giraffes zebras buffaloes in the land there are also the colobus monkeys there as well so that's something pretty interesting if you come to Kenya, also, why not visit Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya? <laughs> I love Kenya, so it's no surprise I'm saying that like that. But yes, Kenya was once the capital of British East Africa, so it has a lot of colonial history for you to see there. You can get a tour of a city, a full city tour, you, depending on which travel um, person you're using, travel agent, travel guide that you go with. You probably aren't allowed to take photographs of government buildings. I don't know whether that has changed. But yes, you can visit Nairobi. You have a good time there. You can go, There's this one that you can do, by the way. You can go on a tour of the city with the Nainami guys. Now, these guys were one street boys. So they take you uh, through the dangerous parts of the city under their safety. They show you the hassle in the streets. So it's a different way of looking at the city of Nairobi. And I think it's pretty interesting. You can visit the Thorn Tree Cafe and have coffee there. Apparently, this cafe inspired the name for Lonely Planet's Thorn Tree Forum. So, what the thing is, in the middle of the cafe, there's a huge acacia tree where uh, people can pin notices for each other. And so, that inspired the name for the Lonely Planet Online Forum. You can visit the Kenyatta International Convention Center, Center which is the sixth tallest building in Kenya. At the top, you get to see the city beautifully lit at night uh you can visit the uhuru park you can visit the elephant rescue at the nairobi national park it is called the david sheldrick wildlife trust and i think you can adopt an elephant and i think so you can try that there and the center cares for abandoned elephants and rhinos and there's also a giraffe center as well there i think at the elephant rescue center you can pay to adopt an elephant and so as they take care of the elephant, they keep sending you the progress of the elephant, how it's growing and what. It's like adopting a child but not going back with a child. I don't know if it makes sense. Then you can also visit the Nairobi National Museum. There's a lot of history in there because Nairobi was once the capital of British East Africa. You can visit the Karen Blixen Museum. There's a lot of things you can do. Nairobi is a real proper city in Africa. So cinemas, sports centers, uh, restaurants. Try different restaurants. Have a good time at it. 
enjoy Nairobi. It's a big city, explore it, and people move really fast there compared to Kampala. So, um, enjoy Nairobi. Another place you can go is you can visit Malindi. Malindi is a beach town, and uh, it has a lot of Swahili influences in it, Swahili history in it. So you can visit it. There are white sand beaches there as well. There are coral reefs. There's a marine national park. If you love marine life, that is a place to be. You can also visit the Church of St. Francis Xavier, which is one of the oldest East African churches. You also see two pillar tombs from the 14th century. You can also see the Vasco da Gama cross. It's there as well. And it's one of the oldest standing monuments in Africa. There's a lot you can do in Malindi. Then visit Mombasa. Mombasa, Mombasa, Mombasa. Now, Mombasa is the second largest city after Nairobi. And it's the biggest port city in Kenya. And I think it was once the capital city of Kenya. So here you'll see uh, British, Portuguese, Arabian, Indian, and Asian influences in the city's architecture. There's also coral reefs along the coast. In fact, the coral reefs run for about 480 kilometers and you know that what that means it means it's one of the best places you can go snorkeling you can go diving there the water is beautiful you can just enjoy mombasa you can visit the mombasa marine national park and go dolphin watching if you love dolphins you can look at them from there you can explore Mombasa more, the history there. There is Fort Jesus, which is from the 16th century, I believe. There's Old Town there. There are old Swahili dwellings there. There's souvenir shops. You can do a lot there. It's a really big city. It also has a lot of modernity to it. There is the Mombasa go-kart. If you love Formula One like I do. I mean, I have a podcast about Formula One, ZF1 amateur. So I love Formula One, I love racing. You can go um, to Mombasa go-kart. You can visit the cinemas, the restaurants, the sports centers, the beaches. It is a proper city with beaches. It is because I'm from Kampala, Uganda, and Kampala doesn't have beaches. Um, so that is exciting. So if you're from a landlocked country, that is exciting to do and to visit and to see. Another blessed last but not least on our list today is that you can visit Mount Kenya National Park. Now, this one is east of the Great Rift Valley and is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So the thing is that on Mount Kenya, there is snow at the peaks, which is rare at the equator. We all know the equator is warm and uh, wet at times, but we don't get snow. So snow at the peaks is something interesting to see. And uh, Mount Kenya of its own, on its own is comprised of three glacier-clocked peaks. There's Batian or Baishan, there's Nilion, and then there's Lenana. Now, Batian is the highest, Nilion is the second highest, but it's apparently one of the hardest to climb. There's Lenana, which is the lowest and easiest to climb. So if you love climbing mountains and doing that kind of thing, Go for it at Lenana. Or if you want to challenge yourself on your body, go for it at Nelion. Good luck. Anyway, when you make that climb, you'll be able to see glaciers, you'll be able to see lakes, mineral springs, alpine forests, bamboo, wildlife. You'll just be in immersed in nature. And if you have some luxury close to your nature, there's a nice luxury retreat there called the Fairmont Mount Kenya Safari Club. There you can do golf, tennis, trout fishing, and, you know, just relax if you're from that heavy climb. 
Lastly, you can go camping in, in Kenya at Hell's Gate National Park. It's a perfect spot for climbing, hiking, and camping for those people who love it. It has two extinct volcanoes there. There are also hot springs. There's also wildlife. And uh, there's a Maasai. There's the Olor Karia Maasai Cultural Center close by. So that's another place you can visit. Overall, there's so much you can do in Kenya. I can't fit it all in a podcast. So I've just given you a few things that you can do in Kenya. And um, when you visit Kenya, don't hold back. Have a good time there because it's a beautiful, beautiful place in Africa. All right, now we'll take a short break and we'll come back and I'll share with you some Kenyan cuisine. Now, welcome back from that short break. Let's dive into Kenyan cuisine. Now, I'm Mr. African. I find it really comfortable to eat that because we're close to each other. So it's not very different from Uganda. I mean, it could be different from Ugandan food, but it's not so new. I feel like this food that is very, very new to the palate and you're like, oh, what is that? <laughs> what is that? But with Kenyan food because I'm Mr. African, I'm like, okay, that's okay. Secondary. The things I can never do... I, I always say I can never do it. I hope I'm never forced to do it, but it's like snails. I cannot eat snails. I cannot eat escargot. I cannot eat snail soup. It's just snails. I'm like, oh my God, it is snails. Oh, but when I see people eating them, I'm like, wow. And then recently I wanted to try rabbit meat and I tried it. I just couldn't put it in my mouth. Not because I was, I don't know, scared or what, but it was just like, oh my God, it's a cute rabbit in my mouth. I just cannot do it. When it comes to food, I'm not very adventurous. That is why I like to know what cuisine or popular foods are available in a country. Because it makes it more comfortable for you. So let's dive into some Kenyan cuisine. So the first things first, I think you won't leave Kenya without trying ugali. Ugali is cornmeal. Here we call it posho. So ugali, it's served a lot in Ugandan schools. I don't know if it's served a lot in Kenyan schools, but it's definitely a popular food in kenya now ugali is a mix of maize flour maize flour or cornmeal with hot water overheat until it it becomes some sort of dough so you it's a real arm workout when you make ugali so maize flour with hot water overheat you keep stirring until it becomes some sort of dough so you're like working your muscles there then there's samaki which I believe is fish in Swahili. I don't know if I said it right. But yes, yeah, so you will try a nice... You can opt for your fish dry, uh, dried... What am I saying? Like dry fried or wet fried fish. So because you're near the Indian Ocean, you definitely have amazing fish. And because Kenya is Kenya, you have amazing fish. You can choose tilapia and alpach. Those are some of my favorite fish types. I'm not very big on fish. I don't like my fish wet. I like my fish dry. So if it's deep fried, it should, it should be really dried. So that's how I like it. Then there's nyamachoma, which is also big here in Uganda. Fish is also big here in Uganda. Then nyamachoma is big here in Uganda. Now that is grilled. That's um, grilled meat in Swahili. You call it nyamachoma. It can be goat. It can be beef. It can be chicken. It can be fish. I love nyamachoma. I mean, in the streets here in Kampala, it's already served. You can also find it in Kenya. It's really, really big on meat. I think it's Africans. It's amazing. And it's best served with kachumbari, a glass of wine, a glass of beer, if you like your beer. But yes, it's best served with kachumbari. 
that brings me to kachumbari kachumbari oh my god there's even a ugandan song about kachumbari who doesn't love kachumbari now kachumbari just think of it as a salsa of sorts so it's a tomato and onion salsa so you have slices of ripe tomatoes tiny slices of ripe tomatoes onions green and red pepper a lemon juice and then coriander now some people call coriander cilantro others call it dania it's coriander yeah, and you're gonna call it Danny a lot. So yeah, that. So you just put it all together and mix, and then you have your salsa. It goes really well with your meats and with your rice. I just love kachumbari. I love it. The only thing is that you have garlic breath, but it's worth it if if you put in too much garlic anyway. And then another thing you expect to find in Kenya is the pilau. Woo, my dear, I love pilau. Pilau is to East Africa what jollof rice is to West Africa. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Oof, I feel like jumping out here. I love pilau when done nicely. Some people don't know how to make it. Some people really do know how to make it. But pilau, and pilau, you can serve pilau with kachumbari as well. But pilau is rice cooked with aromatic spices and either chicken or beef. So it's tiny, tiny pieces of chicken or beef in the rice that has been cooked with aromatic spices now some people can nail it some people can just fail at it so if you test pilau and you don't like it know the person made it badly if you taste it and you love it know that you've gotten the real pilau so it's amazing i'm telling you it's what a jello fries is to west africans pilau is to us love it then there is githeri this is um corn and beans that have been boiled then fried it's usually served with rice or chapati which brings me to chapati. By the way, I did an episode on Ugandan food. It's uh, uh, Ugandan food, street food in Kampala and food in Uganda. It's through it's among those podcast episodes on my channel. So if you'd like to know what Ugandan food is like, please subscribe to the channel and go through the podcast episode. You'll be able to get a clear understanding because some of this food is found in Kenya as well. Now, chapati, which some people call flatbread, is one of the best things that ever happened to me. I love chapati. And it's so easy. It's just rolled dough that is fried in a cooking pan and a medium heat. Bam! And that's it. Me, I love it with a gravy. Here in uh, the episode is about Kenya. Let's not go to Uganda. But in Uganda, we serve it with eggs. You know, you roll eggs in it. So that becomes the Rolex. It's an edible Rolex here in Uganda. But I love it. And so you fry an egg. And then you have your chapati that has been made out of rolled dough that is fried in a cooking pan and a medium head. So it's just flat bread. It's really flat. And then you roll them together with the eggs. And then you slice some kachumbari in between and then you eat. Damn, that is as East African as it gets. But yes, so Kenya, chapati is also there. Then you have mukimo, which is mashed potatoes. Uh, it's a mashed potatoes dish with peas, corn and spinach. And it's usually served as a side dish to a meaty stew. Then you have matoke, which is made with East African bananas. So I also did, when you go th through an episode, the episode I did about Ugandan cuisine, Ugandan food, you'll hear definitely about matoke. East Africa has a lot of bananas. Uganda on its own has about 40 varieties of bananas or 30 varieties of bananas. So there's a lot. You definitely expect more in Kenya or the same in Kenya. Because I feel like Kenya and Uganda are kind of similar. It's just that Kenya is very, I'll be honest, it's far ahead. And it's busy and but it's bigger and there's more people and it's um at the cost. So it's a little bit different in that aspect. But yes, so my talk is used from it there. Then there's omena 
or mena, I think I said it right, which is aka known as silverfish. There's higo, which is chicken. Then there's skumawiki, which is kale or collard greens. There's mutura, which is the Kenyan sausage. There's wali wanazi, which is coconut rice. I mean, I could go on and on about Kenyan cuisine, but time wouldn't be enough. And yes, the, that is a brief idea of what Kenya is like. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I did. And I hope you learned uh, Kenyan, not Kenyan words, Swahili, a word in Swahili at least. So the next time you visit East Africa, you have an idea of what to say. But thank you so much for listening in. I really, really, truly appreciate you taking out your time to just listen to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, if you'd like to get in touch, my telephone number is plus 256-778-96503. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle for this page is at Show. On Twitter, my handle is at Ruth. My email address is babaziruth77 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in. And I hope you have a wonderful new year. I forgot to wish you a happy new year. But have a lovely happy new year. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may this be your year for the taking. And may you visit an African country this year and have a wonderful time at it. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you have a wonderful time. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you.